word. Whoosh. Whoosh. Do you hear that sound? That is the sound of the waves crashing against a bay. But it's not just any bay. It's Baywatch, because this is a Baywatch podcast. In fact, this is Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two men who have never watched Baywatch before try and watch Baywatch. I'm Michael Eisen. And I'm Morgan Thrapp. And uh, Morgan, wouldn't you know it, it's another special episode. It sure is. There's so many special episodes on Baywatch Rookie School. Maybe we should call Mm -hmm. it Baywatch... Rookie school special, special. school. You're not nah, like that. <laughs> that doesn't sound. Baywatch rookie school after school PSA edition special edition Ooh. with limited run. Brought to you. Brought to you by by Sonic. Uh, I was gonna say PBS, but sure, but sure. <laughs> uh, also brought to you by our guest this week. Mm-hmm. Coming back to the podcast, homecoming. Hello. I want to go home. Already. <laughs> I mean, we just started. I woke up, I fell asleep, and, like, I fell asleep, and David Hasselhoff was running around on a boat and playing piano, and and I woke up, and this episode (laughs) happened. What year is it? Uh, 1993. Cool. (laughs) Uh, In in fact, in fact, it might be November 15th, 1993, which is when this episode aired, which was written by David Braff. No relation to Zach, and directed by Gus Traconis. Wow, wow! Doesn't that sound exciting? Sure, great. <laughs> <laughs> I was expecting more excitement. <laughs> so, sounds like uh, some people don't like Baywatch in here, or at least this episode because. Mm-hmm. Boy, oh boy. Mm-hmm. I, mm-hmm. I, I mean, uh, other than spoilers, the racism, I didn't mean <laughs> it, but there is a lot of racism. Mm-hmm. And I don't so like that. much. Racism. Uh, yeah. Racism it, towards my culture. Yes. It, this is not the first time that they were like, you know what? Hispanic people, gangs, L.A., let's make an episode about it. I feel like this is the third time that they've done this. Uh, it's at least a third. There may even have been more. Th- there was, okay, there was the one where Danny Trejo, well, actually, I'll reference There's two with Danny Trejo. I'll, I'll reference that in a bit. We'll get to that in a bit, actually. Let me first get into the guest stars and you'll see why. Okay. So let's talk about some guest stars first. First uh, up is Danny Trejo. Back again. Danny Trejo as the water. Uh, I wish. <laughs> yeah. Um, first up, we have Sean Colvin, who plays blank. There's no entry <laughs> for her, just her name. Like, she's wow. in the credits, but it doesn't list a role, <laughs> which is very huh. funny. Uh, so I don't know who she, <laughs> she is. She went back, and she was like, take take me off of it. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But- <laughs> yeah. yeah. Take this off my resume. Uh, I haven't done much else. Uh, you may know her. Actually, she is a singer. You may know her for a mm. very niche role. Morgan wouldn't know this role, but Homecoming, you might. Homecoming, uh, are you a fan of The Simpsons? Yes, I am. Uh, do you remember? Uh, this is in like 2000, I think. 
mm-hmm. when Maud dies. Yes. So Sean Colvin played the woman that uh, Ned goes on a date with immediately after the country rock singer who he molds in the bed and cuts her hair to look like his dead ex-wife. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. oh no. Yeah. So that I saw the role. The role's name is uh, Rachel Jordan. And I was like, OK, who is that? And I saw the episode titles and I thought, oh, is that the Ned ex-wife episode it is and then wow ned also makes a um a christianity themed uh, like fun land kind of thing called like praise world or something and they think that miracles are happening or that like kids are seeing signs from god but it's really just that the statue of his ex-wife has a gas leak and kids are passing out in front of it, so they have oh, to no. shut it. They have to shut down the park at the end of the episode. Oh no! Uh, so, uh, yeah, that's Sean Colvin. It's the Nickelodeon wow. theme park and hotel all over again. Oh yeah. no! Yeah, or it's that um, that furry con where someone tried to poison everyone. Oh no! I don't think I know that one. There was a furry convention in Seattle. I think it was in Seattle where someone put lethal poison gas in the vent. Holy shit. And kill all the furries. Whoa. And Jesus. Someone found out, and so they evacuated everyone. But wow. there was this story, I just remember, of like on the news of all these people in costumes outside in the streets and other people walking by going, what's what's happening here? Yeah. <laughs> Why, where am I? Um, anyways. Their next actor is Brandy Andres, who plays Adelsa Baerga in this episode. Uh, Not much to say other than she'll be back in two years for a two-parter, but not as this character. Um, Because Baywatch likes to reuse actors. Mm -hmm. So, next up, we have Mark Adair Rios, who is back on Baywatch this time as Louise. Now, you may be wondering, back on Baywatch? I was, was, yes. Who was he before? <laughs> and that's a great question, Morgan. In fact, I wrote in my notes, that's a great question, Morgan. Uh, <laughs> uh, he was become predictable. <laughs> <laughs> my jokes have become predictable. More like, uh, uh, he was on season two, episode six, Point of Attack, where Eddie Kramer, Eddie Kramer trained the son of Dranny... Whoa. Train the son of Danny Trejo how to do water sports instead of crime. Right. I know I they're not that. water sports. Uh, this is the other racist step. One of the other racist episodes mm-hmm. uh, where they're like, oh, look, gangs, Hispanic mm-hmm. gangs. What if we taught them about water safety so they wouldn't do crime? And Danny Trejo comes in and says, this is dumb. You should do crime. Yes. Uh, Now, this actor plays a character called Sleepy. My notes from this episode. Oh, I remember this now. My notes from that episode ask, which one is Sleepy? Yes. We're off to a great start. Um, (laughs) Now, he's done a few. He's had roles in a few notable things. For example, along came Polly, Bruce Almighty. Dr. Doolittle, Speed 2, Star Wars Return of the Jedi, the radio drama, (laughs) The Longest Yard Sale, 
Uh, Night Rider <laughs> the remake. All great things. <laughs> the longest yard sale is very good. <laughs> I know. I love that. The whole joke was built around the longest yard yeah. sale. You, uh, <laughs> you can't go wrong with Bruce Almighty. That I actually watched a video Does breakdown. Um, oh, no, I don't know about the movie, but in terms of profitability, that is actually oh. Jim Carrey's highest grossing opening movie is Bruce Almighty, that. followed by Batman Forever. That. But yeah, Bruce Almighty was really popular. I just remember I remember seeing it in the theater. Um, you know, it was just popular at the time because also it was him and Jennifer Aniston, both big stars at the time. And um uh, 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 who plays God in it? Uh, mm-hmm. Morgan Freeman. Uh, Morgan Freeman. So, yeah. Thank you. So, like, you know, it was just, it was perfect. It was basically it was perfect. Uh, for for box office. Mm-hmm. Um, next up, we have Carlos Lauchu, who plays Carlos Berga. You may know him from playing Anubis in Stargate. That's a pretty good movie. Or well, what? <laughs> I wouldn't say it's a great movie. <laughs> I said pretty good, not great. <laughs> Those are different terms, Morgan. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> Do you not like Stargate? I thought it was fine. <laughs> well, well, okay. Well, podcast over. Uh, <laughs> whoa, whoa. Well, wait. Let's see Morgan's opinion on this next role. He was also Prince Aramore in Thunder in Paradise 2. Much better. Much better. Quality to be determined. Agreed. Yes. Uh, agreed with Morgan. <laughs> he was also in Ring of Steel, starring Carol Alt, future star of Thunder in Paradise. In this movie, <laughs> Love it. a champion fencer accidentally kills an opponent in a match. Disgraced, he is blackballed from the fencing community. Until a mysterious stranger saves his life one night from a gang of muggers. He soon finds himself caught up in a world of underground illegal sword fights where combatants fight to the death. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I need to see this. I know, right? It sounds great. Or or bad, but like, I want to see it. Yes. Uh, You may also know him from Spy Hard. Which also has Alexandra Paul in it. Um, and a theme song expertly done by Weird Al, where he holds yes. a note until his head explodes. <laughs> yes. uh, this movie is, it's a, an amazing cast. I mean, it's a Leslie Nielsen starring movie. Uh, so you know it's going to be good. And, oh, yeah. Uh, here's some of the people in it. Obviously, Leslie Nielsen, Ray Charles, Marsha Gay Harden, Nicolette Sheridan, Andy Griffith, Hulk Hogan, Pat Morita, Talisa Soto, Mr. Wow. T, Alex Trebek, Eddie Deason, Weird Al, Angela Visser, who you may remember, uh, she played Mitch's housemaid, Elkie. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about that. Yes. <laughs> Brad Garrett's in this, and even downtown julie brown <laughs> it's downtown julie brown i don't yeah. know who she is but i like the name anyways now last up we have mark Lindsay chapman who plays the great maroney 
you may remember him from roles like Sir Nigel Wicket in the 2011 Nickelodeon TV show Super Ninjas, which is about Mm. three high school students who become ninjas with the help of George Takei. Okay. Just like George Takei the person? Yeah. Well, no, he plays like someone's uncle, but they're also like, oh, look, Takei, sort of. Not really. That's weird. Um. Now, maybe, I don't know, maybe maybe you don't know him from that. I don't know how much 2011 Nickelodeon TV you, you both watch. Um, None. Homecoming, do you watch a bunch of 2011 Nickelodeon TV? Um, unfortunately, 2011 is where I hopped off of Nickelodeon and into my hardcore anime phase. If we were watching Nickelodeon, it was reruns of SpongeBob. Like the first three That's seasons fair. specifically, but nope. Twenty eleven, me and Nickelodeon weren't friends. But then wow. I will give this tidbit: I hopped back in twenty twelve because mm. they bought the right to Ninja Turtles, and I'm like, okay. Mm. And they're like, oh, Rob Paulson's one of the Ninja Turtles. And I'm like, <gasps> Rob Paulson's Donatello, and yeah, twenty twelve Ninja He's Turtles. Great. Rob Paulson did great as Donatello. It was great stuff. But yeah. Wow, so uh, clearly you're not watching Nickelodeon for Super Ninjas. No. Um, <laughs> I know all of our uh, Super Ninja listeners uh, are very upset by this. Um, what will they do? Maybe they'll just have to listen to us talk about Baywatch. Um, but maybe <laughs> you know about Mark Lindsay Chapman as the voice of Abner in Abner the Invisible Dog. Now, I know you're saying uh, (laughs) Invisible Dog. That doesn't sound like a movie premise I've heard of. Well, let me tell you the premise. It's Chad Shepard's birthday, and he's in for a big surprise. His best friend, Abner, a big furry sheepdog, can suddenly vanish into thin air, (laughs) and he can talk too. They should have called it Abner the Invisible Talking Dog. Anyways, uh, Chad already has enough problems fighting off two bullies who want to wreck his chances with the cute girl next door. With the parents out of the house, Chad and Abner have to fight off the bad guys, get the girl, and save the day. Now, also notable, this movie also stars future Baywatch star David Chokichi. Okay. Now, Mark Lindsay Chapman was also, you may know him in uh, from the movie Christmas in Palm Springs, where he played Reese. This movie also stars future Baywatch star David Chokichi. Uh, <laughs> there's a trend there. Uh, you may know him as voicing Samuel Adams in Assassin's Creed 3. Truly wild. Um <laughs> You may know him as Andrew Barzin from Nightman, the show we keep referencing that we haven't watched yet. <laughs> the, the jazz guy. Anyways, or the villain from the 1990 to 1993 TV version of Swamp Thing. Or you may know him from the movie Chapter 27, where Mark Lindsay Chapman plays John Lennon. The musician you may know murdered by Mark David Chapman. That's kind of fucked up, isn't it? Yeah. That's insane. It it is. Uh, Do you know who plays Mark David Chapman in that? Who? 
No Jared idea. Leto. Oh, God. Of course it is. Of yeah. course it is. Hashtag yeah. Morbius sweep. <laughs> uh, also in this movie, oddly, is Judah Freelander plays Paul Goresh. And then there's a woman named Jude played by Lindsay Lohan. Um, very weird. Uh, but I just thought that was too fucked up not to share. Yeah. No, that's pretty wild. Now, before we get into this episode, uh, Homecoming, did you have any th- thought? I, I, I forgot to ask. Do you have any thoughts about coming back to Baywatch? You know, you put it aside. You put it down like a nice book. But now you have to pick it back <laughs> up and return where you left off. Any thoughts? Uh, yeah. So I've been watching a lot of older TV lately that has cheesy moments in it. But, Mm -hmm. you know, it's still fun to watch. I've been watching (laughs) Star Trek The Next Generation, which definitely has its moments. 60s Batman, which... great. Nice. A living meme. It's so good. Yeah. And I love it. And I think Baywatch goes in the same category as those two shows, where it is so goofy and so stupid, but every actor takes it so seriously with what's going on that you are invested. So yes, going back into Baywatch, this is my second Baywatch episode ever. I have to say I, I went in expecting ridiculousness and boy, did it deliver. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, I was already losing my mind from like minute two of the episode mm-hmm. uh we'll talk about that when we get there in a minute or so but yeah I, th- I i think it absolutely does fit into those categories maybe not the same as the 60s batman which feels a little bit wilder to me but i, uh, I will say briefly related to the 60s batman i finally watched the adam west batman movie from 66 is it okay um mm-hmm. and it Honestly, it may be the most depressing movie I've ever seen, um, because after watching it, I realized that we are contractually engaged for Batman to never be fun ever again. And that made me really sad because that movie rules. Um, Batman punches a very fake shark while dangling out of a helicopter. (laughs) Why can't we have more movies where that happens? Yes. Ooh, ooh, I want to share something also about 60s Batman. Yes. (laughs) I was watching an episode where Riddler kidnaps Robin. And what happens Mm -hmm. is that to do so, he uh, slips some sort of like, uh, I forgot what, but he slips something in Batman's drink that essentially makes him drunk. He slips like a Mm. little liquid in there. Yeah, I think he slips alcohol. (laughs) Uh, He never like I think because it's like for families, they never call it alcohol, but I'm pretty sure it's booze. And what happens Mm. is that Batman's dancing. He's doing the bat move. He's doing the thing we all know. (laughs) The bat move. Yeah, where Mm -hmm. he like puts his fingers over his eyes. He's all goofy. But then he's like, where's Robin? And he walks outside. He's like, I gotta save Robin. I gotta save Robin and he gets in the car he's like I gotta save Robin and then the police walk up and they're like Batman you're in no condition to drive and he goes you're right <laughs> and he hands them the keys and then he goes oh I gotta save Robin and puts his head in his hands and it's my favorite thing because it's like I gotta save him Batman you can't drive you're drunk shit you're right <laughs> hands them the keys how does he save Robin then Um, Robin gets captured in a museum and 
he has to go to the music. He has to sober up and then he saves Robin. Wait, how does he sober up? No, I need to know everything. Oh, uh, Riddler has Robin kidnapped for like over a day and then he finds the museum and then he, you know, breaks in and saves Robin and then what? it's insane. Okay, so, so the, trick, oh. the trick, the solution is just wait a while and then do everything you normally do. What? While he's sobering up, this woman, this, like, ninja assassin woman, tries to attack him in the Batcave, and he drops her by accident into a nuclear reactor. Of course. (laughs) Which he just conveniently had in his cave. This is what I'm saying. Like, I I kind of liked the new Batman. I thought it was fine. Mm -hmm. I thought it was ultimately written by cowards, and that was disappointing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, The line in particular is they're in a lab or something investigating a clue, and Jeffrey Wright is like, aha, uh, this clue was left by a bad person. And Batman goes, yeah, it's a cop. And some of them are bad. And I was like, God damn it. You were so close, Batman. You were so close. <laughs> there's there's genuinely like a three second pause before he clarifies that he's not talking about all cops. And well, I was like, God damn it. You were so but, close. But, but contrast, 60s Batman would say, remember, all cops are good. Sure. I guess we're making progress, but it, it just it was so cowardly and I was mad. Yeah. What if we're not, we're actually not making progress? What if the closest thing we can get to a cab is saying that all cops are good, but it's in some like sixties universe where mm-hmm. in fact they've never committed a racism; they're just <laughs> inept at their job completely. Yes, the sixties, famously free of racism. Yeah, there's never been racism. <laughs> in, never. Uh, racism is an invention of the nineties, mm-hmm. as we've seen from Baywatch. Absolutely. Um, I would like to uh, usher in uh, this here um, with uh, with this picture here I uh, taken from the episode that says, welcome to the 90s. Uh, <laughs> I also wrote down that line. Um, and, you know, we've been welcomed into the 90s. We've been welcomed into the glowing heart of homecoming. Mm-hmm. But Morgan, can you take us? And welcome us into this episode of Baywatch. I certainly can. We open with Mitch arriving at his tower, and he is unpacking the bag lunch and toys that Hobie packed for him in his lifeguard bag, it's which cute. I thought was pretty cute. Uh, <laughs> quick question. As someone who's seen two episodes and is slightly scarred from Wesley and Next Generation right now, ruining the show at the moment, who is Hobie? Who is he? His son. Yeah, Hobie's Mitch's son. Okay. <laughs> what, what, which part of that do you want us to unpack? Who's the mom? Have they revealed uh, that? Have you ever yes. seen the show Just Shoot Me? No. Okay, uh, it's the actress Wendy Malick. Okie doke. They're divorced in the show, uh, and we've seen her a bunch of times. And we even saw her at the beginning of this season, I think. Yeah, her, yeah. Her plane crashed. Yeah, uh, uh, but she's alive. She's just in Ohio, which is like being dead. <laughs> she's in Ohio where she works for Captain Cluck. <laughs> she 
does work for Captain Cluck. Yes. I forgot about that. It's been four seasons. Holy shit. Why, why are these the things my brain chooses to hold on to? That's because it's God. Captain Cluck. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> oh my god! So yeah, so uh, she works for Captain Cluck, mm-hmm. and um, she, her and Mitch have this on and off again kind of thing. But I think they're divorced for good. I don't know. Um, uh, so yeah, his mom is a human being. Yes. Cool. Thank you. Thank you very much. That was one of my notes. I'm like, who is this kid? Are they trying to make the show rad and relatable and have kids go like, that's like me in Baywatch? I mean, they are, but they've been doing that since episode one. Yeah, but they had a different Hobie in season one. Mm -hmm. Uh, They recast him. uh, Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not because he was evil. It's because he was too old. Yeah. No, they just wanted a younger kid, basically. Yeah. Okay, yeah. okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, now, but, the, oh, the other important thing about this scene, I think, mm-hmm. is that it shows that Mitch, he's a good American. He, he sure is. That flag. He stares out of the water and he looks happy. Yup. Yeah. Yeah, he's so patriotic that it's so gray when he gets there and it turns to complete bright sunny day by the time he's done setting up the weather magically changed (laughs) that's what happens in america we each got our own weather machine i mean i will say from having lived in seattle for a few years it does feel like actually maybe that is what happens (laughs) yeah i mean honestly when i looked at the scene i was like you know what that looks like really enjoyable to come to work and have that happen like that looks yeah th- mm-hmm. that would be incredibly rewarding um but then i remember everything else that mitch has to do at all yeah. and i thought never mind yeah no thank you <laughs> including um, putting up with uh a spoiler maybe the worst acting i've ever seen in my entire life oh boy it was bad um but yes um after this we uh get to see stephanie showing up for work and her and Mitch uh, notice some graffiti on the side of the building. And Mitch tells us about how people come to the beach to escape gangs and graffiti, um, which I thought was very funny because I have never once been like, man, I just have too much gangs and graffiti in my life. Better go to the beach. <laughs> ever see Ever see West Side Story? They can't stab each other. It's too sandy. <laughs> Their outfits don't correlate with the sand. That's why. <laughs> the, the, the blood, you wouldn't be able to see the blood because it just goes into the water. Oh. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this scene has the worst acting I've ever seen in my life. Um, where Stephanie... Um, goes, this isn't your turf. It's mine. Um, <laughs> yeah. God damn. Who yeah. wrote this shit? Like, I know who wrote this shit. It was David Brath, no relation to Zach. But, like, mm-hmm. come mm-hmm. on. That's, mm-hmm. That is up there with um, the line, um, I'm a doctor. Well, he's a lifeguard. Um, <laughs> just... Beautiful lines in American yeah. cinema uh, brought to you by Baywatch. God, I just this episode. I also like 
I mean, I get that, like, you know, graffiti's gone through a bit of a, you know, gentrification renaissance, whatever you want to call it recently. But, like, it does feel a little wild to um, directly equate it with gangs um, as if they are the same level of bad and we should be watching out for both of them. Because, like, one is cool street art and, and one isn't. So... I'll tell you, though, when I was in high school, no, not middle school. No, granted, mm-hmm. this was Hebrew school. Um, <laughs> we had this uh, artsy teacher. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, she was our art teacher and she was artsy. She was French. Uh, and she kept on getting in trouble with the parents. The oh. first reason um, that she got in trouble with the parents is that she apparently dressed too seductively. Um, that was the issue. Huh. Um we ain't going to touch that one. Yeah, second no. Reason, the second reason is that she wanted to teach us or have us do graffiti art. And the parents said, that's that's not becoming of of middle school students. And this was 2003 or four. Wow. And the parents basically banned it. And it was the reason that she got fired was because wow. like, we have a problem with, you know, our are young white Jewish boys doing <laughs> graffiti art. And she was, it's just art. It's just a style of art. It, like, yeah. You wow. just take some spray cans and you do stuff. Like, yeah. Right. What the issue mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. But uh, let me tell you, white people really mm-hmm. love to hate graffiti. <laughs> it, yeah. um, wow. That's, that's insane. That sounds like the plot of an early 2000s movie where, where the parents going to shut down the rec center next. Like, yeah, no dancing and all here. The kids, the kids all have to band together. They make one giant graffiti art. And then the, the teacher gets to say, like, come back and they're like, yay. And then like, and credits are like, they still fired her for dressing seductively. Or <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, captain, my captain. It's just dead, <laughs> dead painter society. Oh, my feety. <laughs> God. But, but but they also interesting to note that one of the reasons they're so upset about this is because it's not a local tagger. Yes. Uh, so yes. they think that because it's someone else, it's going to be a turf war. Mm-hmm. Those are their words, uh, which we do get some insight into later. Uh, and it's still horrible and bad. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, but first. First, we have to meet uh, a new guest star for this particular episode, and that is the great Maroney, um, who CJ finds on the beach doing some magic tricks. And she learns, because one of his flyers blows away, uh, that he is going to do a death-defying magic trick. And CJ is not impressed because it sounds dumb, but yeah. then he does some bird magic and suddenly she's real horny for him. Well, and so it was all okay. What specifically does he say, Morgan? Uh, about the bird magic? Yeah. Uh, well, he pulls a bird out of his coat and says, well, you know what they say, a bird in the hand, and then he gestures up to her tower, is worth two in, was it the bush or... The tower. tower, the tower, yeah, yeah, which <laughs> is one, nothing. That's fucking impossible. I don't believe that trick. No, <laughs> no, that's literally Absolutely impossible. Not. <laughs> he, he paid off those birds. He's like, I'll give you some extra seed if you fly right. up here. <laughs> yeah, uh, listen right, for right. the code word. But I'm impressed with him a little bit. 
Well, that trick is impossible. So yeah, he's oh. basically. <laughs> oh no, no, not the trick. I'm in- impressed with his confidence that he's wearing mm. swim shorts, but still the magician like top coat with the tails. <laughs> like wow. I, yeah, that's a good point. I, great point. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, he he really. He walked on set and they're like, you're going to wear beach shorts because you're on the beach, but you're still going to mm-hmm. wear. We got to show you're a magician. So put on this long sleeve <laughs> shirt, put on the puffy little neck cravat, yeah. you know, all no of No one the- would believe him otherwise, you know, <laughs> yeah. because David, David Blaine wasn't, wasn't, you know, out in the public yet. So no one would believe that a guy who yeah. looks like a guy could be a magician. <laughs> God. David Blaine hadn't locked himself in a box for 48 hours yet. Right. Or, <laughs> or did that. There was that one trick where he's like, I'm going to be encased in a giant block of ice for six days. And everyone's like, OK, cool. Yeah. Have fun with that. <laughs> yeah. Great. Go for it. <laughs> Notice me, please. Please come back. <laughs> or like Chris Angel doing things like I'm going to walk across these buildings. And it's like. Okay. Well, <laughs> why? And he's like, because I'm, I'm magic. I'm like, there's literally no way you can do that. Like, it's literally impossible other mm-hmm. than with wires. He's like, oh, no, mind freak. And I'm like, no, your mind is freaking wrong because it's, it's impossible. My, Chris Angel's dumb. Yeah. I mean, I agree with you. <laughs> yes. The only time... I have found Chris Angel enjoyable is in an episode of Mike Tyson Mysteries. Mm. You know this show? Uh, You've told me about it. It's the animated one, right? Right. There's an episode where Mike Tyson has to solve a mystery and he goes to Vegas and he gets up on stage at a Chris Angel show, punches Chris Angel and says, fight or flight response. Uh, and I was like, that's beautiful. <laughs> that's it. I love that. Did birds come out at this point? Uh, yes. Good. Good. And then he, he keeps solving it up by going up and like he's trying to find somebody. He keeps on punching people running up the stairs going, fight or flight, fight or flight. <laughs> and you're like, like, Mike, you can't just keep sit, like using that as an excuse <laughs> to punch people. <laughs> I'm going to look that clip up later. That yeah, that sounds amazing. amazing. Yeah, the show, I mean, the cast is is wild. It's him and the Norm MacDonald is like his psych. <gasps> Who plays a pigeon? Um, and sure, the first episode uh, has um, it's he's trying to find a, a, a missing Cormac McCarthy who turns out to be a centaur. It's very weird. <laughs> it sounds like it. Yeah, it's um, everyone should watch that show. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Instead of this show, yeah, God, which which we still have quite a bit uh, to talk about. So, but quick, quick question for mm-hmm. everybody here, though. Mm-hmm. Um, in my notes, to make this episode less racist, I have decided to refer to this group as the youngsters or the <laughs> youth. Uh, is that okay with everyone? Should we do that? I instead? I like that much better. I yeah. I, um, I I would like to. Agree with that because I would like to say, as someone who is half Hispanic, who's biracial, watching mm-hmm. this episode gave me a few eye roll 
No, no, not a few. I'm not going to undersell a lot of eye rolls <laughs> lots and lots and lots of eye rolls. Yeah. And the name that they call the hipsters of this, you know, they the the name I didn't even want. I was going to ask mm-hmm. that because I don't even want to repeat it because the name that they gave yeah, them no, was really really stupid if y'all want to know oh, yeah. watch the episode or don't yeah yeah <laughs> or, or just don't <laughs> yeah i have i have them referred to as the gang in quotation marks mm-hmm. in my notes but i do like the youngsters like it's always better. funny yes <laughs> the youngsters, youngsters and hipsters are what i'm gonna the younglings. <laughs> yeah the youths um <laughs> they are they're young they're youth they are mm-hmm. um but yes, we uh, we get introduced to this group of youths uh, <laughs> who show up to find Mitch and Stephanie painting over their tag. So they run away. Um, and then we get to meet Carlos. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Mm-hmm. Well, before that, we learn something very important, Morgan. Oh, yeah? Stephanie. I, I don't remember what. Stephanie mm-hmm. hates turpentine. Yes, that is true. That's that's it. Okay. <laughs> More quality acting. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god. She's like, oh no, it's everywhere. Wow. I'm gonna wow. smell like mm-hmm. turpentine all day. And I was like, all day? Are are you sure? I don't know. Take a shower. <laughs> put some freshener. A body wash. Yeah. I probably won't. <laughs> I don't Especially know, I don't... if you're outdoors all day, like. Yeah, I don't know. You smell like the beach. No, right? Like I look. I don't know. I uh, sorry. I'm gonna break down the fourth wall here of mm-hmm. of Baywatch Rookie School, a podcast where two where men, two men. Um, I don't roll around in turpentine all day. <laughs> uh, I have yeah. a desk job, um, <laughs> so I don't know if the smell stays on you all day. That's uh, fair. I mean, neither do I. Now, if any listeners do work with turpentine all day, please write into the podcast and let us know if you rolled around in turpentine all day, would you smell like turpentine all day? Oh. Thank you. Oh, I as an artist, to break down the fourth wall, oh. as an artist, let me just tell you, there's nothing that gets the art going like just jumping in the turpentine, you know, just fill a kiddie pool with it and just jump in, roll around. My neighbors have lots of questions, but I don't care. I, I like the idea that you just like you go outside and there's just a kiddie pool and like you have the hose and you have the turpentine and you stare at each and you go hose turpentine. You take the turpentine, you throw it in, you put in your swim shorts, you cannonball in. You roll around. <laughs> you start singing. You invite over your friends. Yeah. Y'all have a turpentine party. I like just, this idea. You got to get them terps. It's the only thing that gets the art going. The the art terps, you know. It's the sign of the tines. <laughs> and then I go into my house and I write another musical. But that's how I do it. <laughs> speaking of which, speaking of which, mm-hmm. did you see, I assume you saw earlier, the rumor that the Mario movie is going to be a musical. I 
I just don't even know what to make of this movie anymore. Like, obviously, I'm going to see it. But what the fuck is it? Right. Oh, as someone who's played Mario, as someone whose first (laughs) game he ever picked up was Mario. Mario is in the video game, not portrayed Mario in in a production. I am understanding that now. Continue. Yes. (laughs) He who shall not be wahooed with standing. (laughs) I'm excited for the rest of the cast who isn't playing Mario. Mm-hmm. That's why I dressed him as he who shall not be wahooed. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but that being said, I'm fine because we have a good video game movie. It's called Sonic. So no matter how <laughs> Mario. Mario goes, Brothers movie. <laughs> no, it's Street Fighter 2 the movie. After Before Sonic, it was Street well, Fighter 2 the movie. I did want to show Morgan Street Fighter the movie. I did show Morgan the Super Mario Brothers movie, which we yes. have talked about before. We think is actually good. Yeah, I kind of like it. I think it's pretty solid. It's so bad, it's good. It loops. Yes. Yeah, it's just, I appreciate a director who is willing to put that much ambition on the screen. (laughs) Just Mm -hmm. shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just fucking throwing spaghetti and drunk Bob Hoskins at the wall and seeing what sticks. (laughs) Mario, Mario. I'm Luigi Mario. <laughs> In every- Scarpezzi. <laughs> Scapelli. <laughs> Scapelli. It's Scapelli. Scapelli. Yeah. Scapelli. Uh, there's a YouTuber that I like who, who insists that Wario and Waluigi's last name is Scapelli. That they're, that. Oh, that's perfect. <laughs> but sense. Yeah. people are like, oh, the Mario Brothers movie. It was so bad. Are they forgetting that we had the Super Mario Brothers Super Show in the same era where Mario is singing Pasta Power and we are doing the Mario and Captain Lou Albano, who looks like he's about to walk off Mario. He looks like he's about to walk off set and they're like, put the hat back on. And he's like, don't do drugs. Talk to your priest, your pastor, your parents. And remember, (laughs) if you do drugs, you go to hell before you die. Please. (laughs) Yeah. God bless Captain Lou. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, back in back in Baywatch, we uh, <laughs> we've got the arrival of some new folks, and they are uh, on skateboards being pulled by giant wind kites. Is um, that, uh, sidewalk surfing, I guess so. Um, which does make this the second most interesting way I've seen someone pilot a skateboard today, which the first being when I was driving to go see a movie earlier, I did see a man on a longboard being pulled by two huskies through Capitol Hill, and <laughs> I did love it. Wait, while it was raining or while it wasn't raining? Well, it was not raining. It's like, what, 50, 60 degrees? 50-something degrees. Yeah, yeah. And he has two huskies pulling. God, God, this town is weird. <laughs> I mean, I don't change, but wow, this yeah. town is weird. Yeah. Um, but we learn that one of these two gentlemen is Carlos, and he is here to replace uh, someone. Numi, I think. Yes. Zero um, out of ten for this episode. No Numi. Wow. I know. <laughs> um, but... Stephanie is very mad that Mitch has made personnel decisions without consulting her first. And Mitch is like, don't worry, he's very hot and you will enjoy dating him. And Stephanie's like, I go on lots of dates. You don't have to do this, which is a valid point. Um, But then Carlos gets into focus and Stephanie reconsiders all of her previous thoughts and opinions. Okay, 
we need to talk about first thoughts upon seeing Carlos because I wrote my notes live as I was watching. <laughs> and my yeah. notes say, wow, look at this 90s motherfucker right here. <laughs> oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, the yeah. most 90s man. Like the, the hair could only exist in the 90s. Like just yep. his, his fashion, his style. I was like, I loved it. Like, other than the racist, again, the racism really brings <laughs> us down by yeah. like 10, 10 points. Yeah. I guess we're yeah. on points now. Uh, <laughs> but, like, if it wasn't for the racism, this would raise it up to a one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I love when he shows up. Hasselhoff immediately goes into defensive mode. Because he sees those luscious flowing <laughs> locks. He's like, when you're working here, uh, you don't have a high enough rank. Uh, put that in a ponytail. She's <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> have, okay. have some hair comparison issues, Hasselhoff. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, probably. It's good. It's good hair. Like, you gotta, you gotta give it to him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, eventually... Uh, Stephanie realizes that uh, actually maybe she is into Carlos. Um, Carlos walks away and Mitch says, why, Lieutenant, I believe you're drooling. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then he does this weird line that made me laugh a lot, which he goes, do I take care of you or what? Uh, (laughs) And then shakes a little. And Mm -hmm. he's like, what the fuck is happening? (laughs) Yes. Oscar with the acting. That's what's happening. Uh, okay, oh, yeah. I mean, but actually, because I was like, yo, they're being real people. Let's go. I like this. Yeah. Um, but after this, uh, we get to watch Hobie watch a volleyball game um, <laughs> and oh. retrieve the volleyball at one point. And then once they're done playing volleyball, uh, they all come over to buy sodas from Hobie and they hold the camera at boob level and just pan across <laughs> so all four women. Oh, it was the most egregious boob shots I've seen in, in quite a while in this show. Oh, yes, homecoming. Yeah. So as somebody who hasn't watched since the last time I was on the show, I'm like, mm-hmm. What is this? Because like, I didn't know who Hobie was until just recently. And I'm like, mm-hmm. who is this kid? Why are they playing volleyball? He's selling them. I'm like, why are they focusing on this? Like, yeah. No, I mean, even with knowing who Hobie is, this scene makes very little sense. Yeah. Other than to set up that he gets robbed later. Yeah. Um, and why do they also know who Hobie is? Yes. Excellent question. Um, all of it is weird. And I mean, it's, it's even less to serve him getting robbed and more to serve the boob shots. Yeah. Which yeah. are, wow, the most egregious we've seen in a long time. Yeah. It has not been this direct in a minute. <laughs> it is like Neil Breen, uh, like, <laughs> hey, this woman is a disembodied set of legs level mm-hmm. of what <laughs> just like yeah. I don't care these could be any women I just need boob shots mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, it's horrible but after we cut away from that uh, we get to see Stephanie and Carlos are heading towards a tower 
in the back of a lifeguard truck. And Stephanie tells him after seeing some graffiti on a sign about how graffiti makes people feel unsafe and it makes the beach unsafe. And Carlos reveals that he's in law school and he's never dealt with gangs as a lifeguard. Wink. Um, and yeah, just kind of setting up that they're getting along now. Okay. And, you know, can we can we reveal the mm-hmm. obvious here? Yes. OK, the obvious is this is the worst trope. Yeah. Oh, it's very oh, like, dumb. Oh, he's the good one. Oh, like, mm-hmm. oh, look at Carlos. He he's this grown up, and he's he's so mature, and he's in law school. Unlike these other, you know, people who are who are in gangs, and it's like, mm-hmm. the fuck on. Yep. Like, yeah. Yep. I fucking hate it. Yeah. No, it's it's real bad. Yeah. Oh, and and my face hurt afterwards because the foreshadowing was so unsubtle that it hit me like <laughs> the truck they were yeah. riding in when he uh-huh. was like, as a lifeguard, were you just going to stare at the camera after delivering that and just <laughs> wink at me? Like <laughs> He did kind of stare. He didn't wink, but he did kind of stare. Yeah, it's, oh God, this episode is rough. Um... But after this that, be, uh, honestly, and I, I, I'm sorry, Homecoming. This might be the worst episode we've seen in like a long, long yeah, time. since like season two. Yeah, maybe. I'm really sorry. <laughs> You're fine. You didn't read the IMDb, pay, IMDb page where it's like a magician falls and oh no. Wacky. I, I could, thought this was going to be wacky magic antics for like the whole time. And like right? he was going to pull out a shark and throw it at David Hasselhoff. And he's going to be like, oh no, God, evil magician. Like I thought the magician was going to be the thing. And then I watched the episode and I'm like, wait a minute. Where's the magician? The description made him seem like he was the focus of the episode. Yeah. We could rewrite the IMDb description and it could be egregious racism comes back to be <laughs> Period. Also a magician. Yeah. <laughs> He's there too. Smiley yeah. face. You can't magic the racism away. No. No. And nothing. Oh, boy, to, does Baywatch yeah. try. I mean, they yeah. don't really, but no, <laughs> but yeah, um, speaking but yes, of- after this, we yeah, we we go back to our, our group of troubled youths uh, and they are just like kind of play fighting on the sidewalk um, and Hobie scoots by on his scooter. So they surround him and make him give him give them all of his lunch money. Um, and by which I mean soda money. And then that wasn't enough. So they also had to take some of his sodas, too. And apparently they had a weapon. But I don't feel like we saw that in this we, scene. They did. They did. They, they okay. have like uh, the leader. I think his name is Louise. He he pulls open his his shirt and there is a gun in his pants. Ah, uh, OK. Yep. I I was doing my best not to pay attention to these scenes. That's fair. That's fair. So I think I missed that. Um, but eventually, uh, Stephanie and Carlos see it, and uh, so they go run after this group of youths, and all of them run away. And then that's, and then um, 
Carlos says that he's never seen any of these people before after staring at one of the women for quite a while. We um, should also add mm-hmm. in in that part. So he's he's telling this to Garner and yes. Garner reminds them, hey, this is a police problem, not yes. a lifeguard problem. And the mm-hmm. kids are armed. So the police should handle it. And my notes say, I have a feeling that's not going to happen, though, because that's never stopped them before. Correct. Yep. Uh, (laughs) Yep. Like, need we remember the time where Mitch faced a guy who may or may not be Shang Tsung, (laughs) who had katanas? (laughs) And and Mitch was like, I shouldn't let the police do it. I should beat this guy's ass myself. (laughs) Or the time right after Mitch got his entire spine paralyzed, he decided he should enter a kickfighting competition and beat the shit out of someone in a kitchen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yep. Yeah. I I would also like to iterate this scene that uh, in this scene, they, they had to really rub it in. And this is, one of the, mo- the type of car that the youth escape in, even mm-hmm. to that point, I was like, seriously, they couldn't have a normal car. The model of car even had to be stereotypical. And you get a shot of them God. driving off going, yeah, while they're drinking the sodas in like, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, my God. I did find it funny. That they were really excited about sodas. and <laughs> That part is funny to me. You're killing you can so you much imagine? on ABC. <laughs> yeah. Can you just imagine like a bunch of kids going, yeah, Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah, Mr. Come on, my, my parents are out of town. Come to this weekend. We're going to get a keg of Mountain Dew. <laughs> we're going to play WoW. <laughs> I went to Taco Bell and asked for a water cup and put in Baja Blast instead. Let's go. Okay, but like I would do that still. Because Taco Bell is amazing. Yeah. You know I have a deep love of Taco Bell. Who doesn't is the yeah, better I mean, question. Wrong people. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Mitch, Mitch shows to cl- up to collect Hobie and that's where Hobie says there was a gun and I was so scared. Um, and I don't know. <laughs> you sounded very Italian there. <laughs> I had the gun, gun and I'm so- very scared. <laughs> Which he wasn't. He seemed unfazed at all. Oh, completely. He, he seemed like this happened to him at least five times this month. Because mm-hmm. when they're asking him questions, Maybe. he's like, couldn't have a better day. It's like, well, <laughs> happened again. <laughs> Took my He's soda. just so traumatized from having to see graffiti sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly, I feel like this does happen to Hobie enough that he like. Yeah, he's been in enough near death situation. OK, so like homecoming, have you ever seen the Venture Brothers? Oh, Venture Brothers has the best scene ever, which is the two minions gearing up. Uh, where like one of them's driving the car in the do you, 
is that the one is that venture brothers or the where they're calling them i forgot what the minions names are they wear like the butterfly costumes yes with yeah. the, and then the one's like and they're like singing the dramatic music as he's pulling up that is venture brothers uh that's all i've seen but i have seen that clip this is Hobie is very similar to the main character of Venture Brothers, Dr. Venture. The whole point of Dr. Venture is that it's like, like, as a kid, he was basically Johnny Quest in that, like, oh, like, you were a young kid who goes on adventures with your dad. And all of them are incredibly traumatizing. And you almost (laughs) die all the time. And no one believes in therapy. So he's just now older and completely traumatized and like curmudgeon because all he knows is death. Yeah. And that's basically Hobie is just like every two weeks or so Hobie's like going to almost die today. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, there was just the whole, life. there was the whole two part episode where um, the uh, mafia was trying to kill the, kid that hobie was helping and they almost ran hobie over with a car like they didn't at least run. once they didn't he got, almost run. they missed the the sidewalk by like 15 feet i mean sure but when you're a kid that's still pretty terrifying i thought you were gonna mention the part where earlier this season the plane he was on crashed into the ocean that too yeah just bad shit happens to him i think he might be cursed or traumatized or both yeah. Life comes at um, you hard. Curses are often a metaphor for trauma, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Life comes at you hard when you're the character that the executives put in to be hip and connect with the audience. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, they did get that right because nothing says being young and youthful like severe parental trauma. <laughs> I mean, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that, I'm, I'm not joking. Yeah. <laughs> um... But anyway, um, back to uh, CJ is where we go now. And that was a sentence that I just said. And we're just going to roll with it. Yeah. Um, (laughs) She's doing some yoga at her tower when she notices someone's going into the water and then they disappear. So she goes in after them. Whoa. Who could it be? Why, it is the great Maroney. And he's practicing holding his breath. Um. And CJ drags him out of the water and is like, hey, listen, your magic trick is very stupid and you shouldn't do it. Um, And unless you can explain to me how you're going to do it without dying, I'm going to make sure you don't get the permit to do this. And the great Moroni is like, but a magician's secrets. And CJ is like, but not traumatizing people by dying. Um... And finally, he agrees to tell her, which is that he's going to hold a key between his toes. Um, and and even then, I thought to myself, surely there are less stupid ways of doing this. Tape the key to yourself with flesh-covered tape. Stick it in your swim trunks. Anywhere that isn't curled in between your toes. Yeah. No, there's definitely... Like, look, even... I watch enough pro wrestling to know you just take some tape and you're just like, oh, I have an injury, and you just tape it into there. Or you can literally tape it to the inside of your mouth. Exactly. There are so many better ways to do it. Now, Um, there there was a part of the scene I I needed to do some research on. Sure. um, 
Because if I don't do at least one bit of research per episode, I die. <laughs> um, and that is that he says he needs to hold his breath for three minutes while submerged. And mm-hmm. he says Houdini could hold his breath for six minutes. Now, let me blow your mind. Mm-hmm. Current day competitive breath hold divers, on average, hold their breath for 20 minutes. Holy shit. The record is 24 minutes. However, it was done by someone in inhaling pure oxygen first. Um, but it is still 24 minutes. And let yeah. me blow your mind more. Let me blow your mind more. Mm-hmm. Kate Winslet. <laughs> didn't think for this one. <laughs> she think it was nope. going here. Kate Winslet, on the set of Avatar 2, held her breath for seven minutes. That's more than Houdini. Kate yeah. Winslet is a better magician than Harry Houdini, confirmed. And better than the great Maroni, who's only going to hold his breath for three minutes, that little bitch. Okay. Uh, <laughs> While we're talking about Avatar 2, I do want to propose that Avatar 2 is actually the final movie in a secret trilogy. Um, How is that- it a secret trilogy if there's only two? So it's not... This trilogy does not involve the first Avatar movie. Let me be clear here. Okay, um, so it's one movie as a trilogy. No, no, no. It's the third movie in the trilogy. The first movie in the trilogy is The Weight of Water, the Catherine Bigelow movie. The second oh. movie is The Shape of Water, the Guillermo del Toro movie. And the, the third one now is The Way of Water, the second I, Avatar. I can make movie. this even better. Yes, even better. please. The fir- It's actually a quadrilogy. Ooh. The first movie is the... Uh, classic Indian drama about uh, uh, women who are orf- who are not orphan, who are widowed uh, mm-hmm. due to their husbands dying in war, and it is called Water. So you just oh. have water, the shape of water, it, right? That we had yeah. to introduce water as a concept first before you. No, that's about a good properties. point. And then, uh, of course, the evolution of water is Avatar. do you remember see did you see avatar in theaters i saw it multiple times in fact homecoming did you see avatar in theaters no because i i didn't see the appeal and then i saw it later and i don't see the appeal but don't worry (laughs) they're re they're re-releasing it they're Mm -hmm. re-releasing it but uh you know this is the the way of water is just a working title right I know, but the joke doesn't work if it's not called The Way of Water. Oh, no. The, the <laughs> real title, the working title, was uh, Avatar 2, James Cameron's Dangerous Ambition. <laughs> I, I can't wait to see if we end up getting that 3, 4, 5, and 6 that he said yeah, that we're going to get. Or if it's going to, or if two is going to happen, Disney's going to look at Avatar, look at Avengers, look at Avatar, look at Avengers, look at Avatar and go, <laughs> you know, people seem to really like Spider-Man. James Cameron, can you <laughs> hand us that bag of money? Oh, oh sure. Yeah, let, let's borrow that. Here you go, Kevin Feige. Go have fun. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I have, unfortunately, two related tangents. Uh, the okay. first one is there's this TV show called Future Man that was actually pretty good. Uh, And there's an episode where they go to the future and they end up at James Cameron's mansion. And the idea is that James Cameron loves himself so much that, like, his own mansion is an audio-guided tour that only Hmm. is there for him that reminds (laughs) him of, like, 
all the work that he's done, including saving the world by releasing Avatar. Um, <laughs> to save the world from who? No one knows, but he did it. And then it's like reminding James Cameron of all the languages he speaks, but it's just <laughs> English and the ones that he's created. Um, and it's just like 30 minutes of ragging on him, and I love it. The second the second joke, joke, comment, tangent, whatever, is I remember when I saw Avatar. I saw I saw it in 3D, uh, which is mm-hmm. dumb. 3D is dumb. Uh, just going to say that. Um, yes. And uh, I saw it in a theater, and there was a guy next to me with a bag of popcorn. And he did not think 3D was dumb. Because there's one part where there's, like, something, like, you know, run towards the screen and he was like, whoa, and he throws up his popcorn and it goes everywhere, like <laughs> everywhere. And mm-hmm. he does not he does not notice. He does not pick it up. And wow. instead what he does is he tries to reach around for some pieces that are close to him that he could put in his mouth. And he reaches towards my crotch and oh, no. trying to pick up uh, popcorn. And I am so flummoxed that I'm like, oh. yeah, and he just starts patting around there. He does find a piece of popcorn and then goes, mm, and just puts it in his mouth and goes, mm. And I was like, maybe wow. maybe this is the person Avatar was made for, the kind of person <laughs> who doesn't have any sense of morality or any sense of like, social cues either to just touch people's junk in a 3D theater. Like, that's who Avatar was made for. I, you know? I, I feel you. Last movie I saw before uh, everything closed down. Last movie I saw before everything closed down was Sonic 1. Mm-hmm. First movie nice. I saw back was Sonic 2. That's some poetic <laughs> justice. Sonic, Sonic is the circle of life. Like, <laughs> as we all know, uh, it's very important uh, to remember that what would the world be without Sonic? Now, I would like to introduce this podcast... Uh, I've already shared this picture in this Discord before, but for you, Homecoming, uh, this is an album, a Sonic album, that was only released in the Netherlands in the 90s, officially licensed, Sonic Dance Power 6, officially (laughs) licensed. Now, please note on there, the band Tokyo Ghetto Pussy uh, has a song on there. Wow. And so, and, and the name of that song, the name of that song is "Let Me Be Your Valentine." Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, therefore, Sega has endorsed Tokyo Ghetto Pussy. Yeah. I. Um, I mean. Wow. I I just love this. I might need to, you know, send this to some friends purely for Sonic's face. Sonic looks like he does not give a shit. Like, look at him go on that Why cover. Does he have like a toilet flush on his ear. That is a really good. Point. Those are his headphones. <laughs> headphone. That's a. Why are you wearing your headphones down like that? Because he's going so fast. But what I wanted to say real quick is that when I saw Sonic 1, uh, we saw it with someone who must have been a dad who doesn't get out too much because he laughed at every single joke. And not just the jokes (laughs) in the movie, the jokes in the trailer. So, yes, Peter Rabbit 2 comes up and he's like, oh, I farted. And you just hear, 
<laughs> whole movie sonic farts <laughs> honestly i would start laughing if he did <laughs> oh my friend who is a sonic like sonic is his favorite character of all time guy gets up walks out uh walks out during the credits we're sitting there and he goes i hate that guy because just the whole movie, every single thing, I, I loved it. You know it was bad because Secret Life of Pets comes up and they're like, oh, wacky catchphrase. And you're just here in the distance. No one else in the theater. Just this guy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That was that was me when I saw Ice Age. Um, <laughs> no one laughed except for my mother and I who could not stop laughing during Ice Age. And at one point, someone said, hey, maybe you should, like, watch the movie. And we're like, we are. That's why it's so funny. <laughs> mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> wow, I feel yeah, because I was the only one laughing. Uh, we saw that, uh, me and my friends saw that Left Behind movie with Nicolas Cage. <laughs> uh, I have not seen that yet. But my partner um, grew up very evangelical, so they are reading me the Left Behind books. Um, and let me tell you, they're real fucking bad. Yeah, so I hear. <laughs> I want to read them. Nicholas Cage Oof. movie's amazing, though. If you want a so bad, good. It's it's amazing. It, you just see. <laughs> he oh, is. And what year is it from? Um, let me see. I want to say twenty. 20- 15 it was funded recent it was funded and produced by one of the duck dynasty guys makes sense makes sense yeah i don't know what one i don't i think maybe willie uh i i think it was well it wasn't like the dad it wasn't like was it it was one of the ones in god's not dead which i need to watch god's not dead for god okay oh (laughs) okay I would like to say something on air then, because you said it. Sure. This is my side tangent. I go to absolutely. Yeah. I go to Everyone church. Have a tangent. Or, or yeah. I go to virtual church. I believe in you know nipping the panini in the bud, and then I can go back to church. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, I just love the pause you did, and you just said I believe in nipping, and I was just like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> But I I am a person of faith. I I do sure. have a faith, but I'm also of the sure. belief that everyone should believe what they want and we should all just accept each other. Sure. That being said, okay. <laughs> I do not care for those movies. That song has been around <laughs> since I was in high school and those movies keep that song. So if I turn on the faith-based radio, our God's not dead. He surely, oh my gosh, make it go away. I've been hearing this song since 2011. I hate the song. I can't, you know what? I, I hate the song. Please let the song die. You know, God's not dead, <laughs> but let the song die. Please, please let the song die. Please. And these movies, why are there four of them? It's like <laughs> these people who are always like, oh, I don't know. Can we ever get a happy movie? Can we ever just get like a fun, clean comedy? No, someone's got to get hit by a car and then pray before they die. Or <laughs> this happens or, oh, life God. sucks. Life sucks in every single one of these movies. 
these movies yeah. are such downers oh oh i believe well then you get shot by the end because <laughs> life just sucks sorry sorry but no i have a small you're not wrong bone yeah. to pick with those movies no they're they're very bad yeah they're extremely uh, bad on every <laughs> level that's yeah. why I like them because mm-hmm. they make me feel better about myself. <laughs> <laughs> like if any, if, if, honestly, if anything, they're kind of like faith in an inverse way because they're so bad and so bad at describing what faith is and why you should believe in faith that they make you stronger in your own faith. <laughs> right? Are, like you know what I mean? <laughs> they are yeah. the Michael Bay Transformers of faith-based movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's. I would say that's actually the. Um, uh, uh, the there was that Michael that Mike Huckabee uh, produced movie. Oh no! Uh, War on Christmas was it? it or was Saving Christmas? No, Saving Christmas is the Kirk Cameron one. Oh no! I've seen, I've seen Saving Christmas. Uh, that's the one with the literally eight minute long break dancing scene at the end yes, of it. It's wild. Uh, it's Last Ounce of Courage. Last Ounce of Courage, yes. I've also seen Last Ounce of Courage. That movie is so wild, especially because they have the gall to just cast a dude as Jesus. Mm-hmm. Uh, they don't credit him as Jesus. <laughs> it's like, well, who's that dude in the jail cell who can do miracles? It's like, well, Jesus is here. And someone's like, what happened to that dude in the jail cell? I don't. There wasn't any guy in that jail cell. It was Jesus. <laughs> it's like, what the fuck? Like, all of a sudden, it becomes like this completely different movie once you introduce actual Jesus into your movie. Um, who's just like, yeah, I just want to help the world's most annoying fourteen-year-old kid. Like, Jesus <laughs> has better things to do. No. Yeah. No, they stole from Ernest Saves Christmas, replaced Jesus <laughs> with Santa Claus, and it's the same movie. Because it's just Santa, played by the guy who was the Sultan in Aladdin, going around helping uh, a youth, you know, reconnect with their family. Although that movie is amazing because you get the scene where he's like, sir, be real with your name. And he just goes, I'm Santa Claus. and it's like you are his acting is so good i believe him i believe he is santa he he is santa in that movie 100 percent. i might have to add that to my list of christmas movies for this year then because i've never seen it but it sounds delightful speaking of belief i believe that carlos Mm -hmm. character in this episode Mm-hmm. Uh, is only allowed to drive on the pier because he's a guest star. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, they wouldn't have wasted their time with this. That's a good point. Because uh, he's he's going to go spend some time on the boardwalk uh, when he, he runs into one of the youths, and, uh, well, turns out it's his sister. Um, and that's how he has a connection to all of this. Do, um, do you like that just so... Some people can understand. They conveniently speak like a few words in English just in the middle here. Uh-huh. And they're like, oh, okay, yeah, brother, I get it. Yeah. 
Thanks for the no subtitles show. <laughs> yeah. God. Um, I mean, th- the Spanish was very simple to understand. You could, like, pick up the context very easily. But yeah. like, they also were just like, they needed to throw in a brother. I don't know about no brother. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Carlos is, is here to bring his sister home. But but the rest of them just won't let him because they don't believe that. Uh, fuck, I forget her name now, and it's not written down in my notes. His <laughs> sister, um, Adelsa, could possibly have a brother because she's never mentioned one before. <laughs> um, and and then we just cut away. Um, mm-hmm. And we we cut over to Mitch, who comes into work and is like, Hobie's still kind of out of it. Um, and <laughs> which is fair. He just got robbed at gunpoint. Um, but Stephanie is like, I know that Carlos must have known one of them, but I wonder why Carlos would say that he didn't. Um, so then Garner calls from the boardwalk to just rat on Carlos. Um, and then then we get our first montage which is uh, Carlos taking his sister home. Well, a gang of what I assumed were like weird Swedish metal musicians <laughs> watch bumper cars That's while <laughs> Elemental by Tears for Fears plays. That's this. I, I was trying to hold it in. I've been waiting to get this. <laughs> this is my favorite scene in the whole episode. It's so good. There's I thought the push the, the baby push. And then the baby push back, and then it just pans to them all wailing on each other. You, you, we cannot <laughs> emphasize how weird it is. The intro to this, uh-huh. of a bunch of it. At first, I was like, "Is this supposed to be like the history of gangs, like montage, like yeah, all these random people, and they're all walking?" And I'm like, "Who the fuck are these people?" And they are, they are. I cannot overstate this. The whitest people I have well, ever well, seen. Well, there, there's also one Asian dude in their gang. Yes, but the rest well, of them are just like the most like. They all look like Fabio. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's ridiculous. Now, now we have many things to do here in this montage. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. or fortunately, um, the first thing we need to do is we have a fight scene. So Morgan. We need to use our fight scene scale. We sure do. Fight scene. So on a scale of one to ten, where a ten is the bar fight scene from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, Morgan, rate this fight scene. Um, I'm going to say, I don't think I've ever seen a fight scene set in a bumper car arena before. So that wins some points for creativity. Um, I love how fucking doofy these weird Swedes are. Um, so that was good. And like Homecoming mentioned, like it starts off so silly um, and then escalates without us ever really getting to see the in between. So I'm going to give this a 10. I think it was fucking great. Wow. So it's equivalent to the bar fight scene from the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Wild. Amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, as you mentioned, on the original version, we get a song. We get Elemental by Tears for Fears. It's a song I actually own for once. Uh, oh. Like, I already, yeah. This is uh, from when Tears for Fears was just a solo act. Uh, oh. And uh, this was during their rockier period. Uh, but this album hit number five on the UK charts with its peak on June 13th, 1994. Here's the chart. Number five was Elemental. 
Number four was Pocket Full of Kryptonite by the Spin Doctors. Three wow. was No Limits by Two Unlimited. Two was Automatic for the People by R.E.M. And number sure. one is What's Love Got to Do With It by Tina Turner. Oh, heck yeah. Nice. Uh, oh, heck yeah. What a fucking chart. <laughs> the week after this, uh, it's basically mostly the same. Um, there's like a difference at like number four. But at number one, we get the introduction, the debut, the first album by Jamiroquai at number one. Uh. Get emergency on planet Earth. Entering the charts at number one. Fantastic album. I went wow. back and listened to it afterwards. Now, what we get, uh, Homecoming and I get, is a song that I thought I was going to hate and didn't. Because at first the song sounds fucking horrible. And then they embrace the 90s industrial nature. And they just Ooh. use weird sounds in it. Uh, so this is Standoff by Robbie Wyckoff. Homecoming, could you read or sing these lyrics? Oh, you know it. So so I watched it on Amazon Prime. So so these are the lyrics that I got then. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I was so engrossed in the imagery. I was just like <laughs> I was like, this is what I've been waiting for. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. You can feel it in the air, feel it in the heat. There's something going down and hitting the street. <laughs> Everybody's on the edge waiting on a sign, and the people on the sidewalk move out of line. I feel like they actually tied this to the music a little bit, also. A little. Yeah. We got boots on the ground, and we won't back down. Gonna be a standoff. You can feel it on the street. There's no taking defeat. Gonna be a standoff. The higher the hurdle, the harder we fight. Though we try and find a reason, it ain't black or white, mm. but we can't let our reputation slip away. And when the time is right for fighting, we can't turn away. We got boots on the ground and we won't back down. Going to be a standoff. You can feel on the street. There's no taking defeat. Going to be a standoff. We got boots on the ground. We won't back down. Going to be a standoff. I I hope, I wish someone could have showed this to old Lenny Bernstein. When he was working on West Side Story, this this probably would have made it in there. It, this, you know what? Yeah, this would have made it said? into the remake. He would have said, "Wow, a rhyming rhyming away with away." Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> genius, absolute genius. Oh God! Wow. So yeah, sounds like I definitely won the uh, music on this one. You did. <laughs> Where did you watch it? Uh, Daily Motion. Note to self. You watch. <laughs> so Morgan watches a different version than we watch. Yes. I watch the original airing if I can find it, mm-hmm. which I usually can, um, which is in, uh, if I'm lucky, 480p quality, um, <laughs> which I'm watching on a 4K monitor. So it is, um, I can I can often make out who the character is like 75% of what well, you've learned <laughs> as, as the seasons have gone on. You're, you're more used to the way characters act. So you're like, I can 
guess who that person is. Yes. I also, from time to time, will go watch the remaster of the episode to confirm which characters are on screen. (laughs) That's amazing. (laughs) That's that's my dedication. (laughs) There's a lot of work that goes into this podcast, oddly enough. Yeah. It really feels like there shouldn't be because no one should be putting this much work into Baywatch, but... (laughs) (laughs) I am... I am scared to admit to people how long my notes take. Um, oh, yeah. With the amount of work that I do in, in these notes. Um, yeah. Speaking of which, you know, we got so much more to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, because at the end of this, Carlos jumps off the pier, mm-hmm. but not onto the water, onto the sand. So we don't get to do a, a pier dive rating yet. And mm-hmm. he, he he lands on the, the leader and he pulls the leader's gun and holds on him. And Stephanie says, no, don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then Stephanie. So then we, we cut to commercial and we come back. Mm-hmm. And now Stephanie finds Carlos. Uh, I guess it's a new day or something. I, I, a time. Yeah. Time is weird. Uh, she says that he, Stephanie what am I trying to say here? <laughs> he finds Carlos and he says he saw one of the people who mugged Hobie and he tells mm-hmm. Stephanie it's his sister. So Stephanie correctly guesses. Mm-hmm. That Carlos called Mitch to join Baywatch so he could find his sister, which doesn't yes. necessarily make sense to me because they're not a local. No. They're not local. So like, are you just yeah. following them around in I- every assignment? That seems weird. But it also seems like you didn't need to be a lifeguard for this. No. Like, you you no. could have just hung around on the boardwalk for a little while. Right. I was also very confused by this. Now, well, another important point here that happens is Carlos says he should have told them, but he didn't think he needed backup. And Stephanie says that's the worst mistake a lifeguard can make. So I asked both of you. I'd like for you to think of actual much worse mistakes that lifeguards can make. Go. Uh. I mean, there's not enough time in the day. I was going to bring up the point. How many times has Mitch gone somewhere without backup? But I guess we all can't be David Hasselhoff, can we? Constantly. All the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, to to answer my own question, do so many worse things as yeah. mistakes go, um, like racial profiling. Um, yeah, yeah, um, that's a pretty bad one that they do quite a lot. <laughs> or constantly end up in caves that have no oxygen. Yeah, yeah. and have large octopuses in them. Or like yeah. that time that someone threw a shoe at a live. World War Two bomb and it blew oh, yeah. up on the beach. That's a yeah. pretty bad mistake. Yeah, yeah, that was pretty dumb. Yeah. Or or, make a- mm-hmm. or constantly being told by the police, hey, this isn't your job, and then going and doing it anyway. Oh, I'm I'm yeah. I'm equipped to go take on these pirates. I'm gonna go sneak on this <laughs> boat in disguise. Uh, or another one from this episode. Telling a magician that the trick he's about to do is illegal and then allowing him to do it anyways. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Like, are we going to ignore? Th- We're not going to. Okay. I mean, we haven't gotten there yet, but we should <laughs> ignore that. Um, yes. But anyways, Carlos sees his parents. He found his sister. She gets into the car and that just ends. And I was like, wait, what? Like, how did that happen? Like, that seems really yeah. weird. I was uh, very confused. Yeah. Um, but after uh, after his sister gets taken away by his parents, Carlos goes out for a nice stress relieving swim um, <laughs> where he gets a little ways out. And then Stephanie calls him back in so that they can do some very heavy flirting on the beach. Oh, oh, no. It's kind of cute. Kind of. It is. No, no, not not a fan. I, I well, first off, have either of you seen my favorite movie of last year, which was Tick, Tick, Boom? Yes, oh, it was so good. So he's out there stress swimming. So all I can hear is Andrew Garfield's stress swimming song. <laughs> oh yeah, one, oh, two, man. three, four. He's like, swimming. so I'm like, oh, he's stress swimming. And then I love how he's like aggressively <laughs> swimming. And then he comes back, and and they're flirting. But I let's be glad that they're not taking actual chemistry class or these two would be failing. <laughs> That's all. all yeah. I'll say. It's, it's weirdly in and out of flirting. Like they're flirting a little bit. And then we learn that Carlos also used to be part of his own group of uh, youngsters. Mm. And, uh, then he we, he says he's a group <laughs> of youngsters and he says they were different back then because they used to solve their problems with fists but now they use guns welcome to the 90s and i thought well, and, and also hmm. it's more dangerous now because they used to have more hope which is such a fucking weird thing to say i, I was like you lived under reagan what are you talking about <laughs> yeah <laughs> i this made me so mad they did not have to have him be a hipster they really Mm -hmm. could have had him have his sister be involved and still make him like a charismatic character like this broke my mom's heart it didn't change a thing about the episode exactly exactly it's just like well guess everyone who's like this is a hipster at one Mm -hmm. point in their lives right right and i'm like i hate you right now writers because he literally could have just been i went into law because i wanted to not be a hipster you could even tell that he grew up in an area where a lot of hipsters were around or something yeah, everyone knows yeah. that in where he grew up everyone passes around the one copy of that neutral milk hotel album <laughs> and, they all over the sea, and they all listen to it and they all get super into Anne Frank for a while and they all pass around their one copy of the diary of Anne Frank they all become fucking hipsters <laughs> He could have just told us about the rich history of producing micro IPAs in his town. <laughs> micro breweries. Add a lager, his- for goodness sake. Just one. <laughs> he, he also could have told us where he gets his glasses that have no no lenses in them. Yeah. You no. Know? His designer <laughs> frames. I was I was at a party once. And a friend of mine like had some of those, and I was like, "Why are you wearing those?" They're like, "It's fashionable." I was like, "Do you not see the glasses on my face right now? It is not fashionable. <laughs> this is uh, this is my curse." 
<laughs> he could have said that, oh, uh, where where I grew up, we only played indie games. We didn't play any of that AAA <laughs> stuff. We all, you know, we all gathered around our, our PS3 and we all played uh, Journey and we loved well, it. Well, I mean, this is 1993, so he's probably like, we all played Zork. <laughs> we all gathered around the Dreamcast. <laughs> You know what? That would have been a better scene if she sat down and yeah. growing up all I had was a Dreamcast. You know how it feels. <laughs> all I did was run around in Shenmue. <laughs> I was just really into the the, the, the forklift game in Shenmue. You ever Kids for- these days don't know about Jet Set Radio and that's what's wrong with them. <laughs> you ever fight Gil in Street Fighter 3? Dude can just straight up resurrect himself whenever he feels like it. You know how many weeks it took me to beat him (laughs) have you heard of (laughs) seaman well play crazy taxi at my place after okay okay in my in my mind the greatest scene possible is him flirting with stephanie and asking do you know about seaman and just telling her about it and Look, this show is so much room for improvement, and I really yes. think we're the ones to write a new episode of Baywatch themed around someone owning a Dreamcast. <laughs> I am I am entirely on board with this plan. Perfect. <laughs> um, God, but yeah, uh, back back to the episode. We uh, then they flirt a little bit more and. Uh, they're like, how can we get to know each other better? So they go on a date, which is a montage of them dancing for a this, while. This montage, like, it's so weird because they go from, well, you could ask me out into, like, the most stylized, like, sh- I thought they were just fucking. Like, I thought. Oh, yeah. At, at first I was like, oh, my God. My notes are holy shit. Holy shit. <laughs> what? Holy shit. This is steamy. And then it was just like some dancing. Um, But I was like, whoa, Baywatch. I see what you're doing here. Uh, In fact, what they were doing here was playing Just Another Day by John Cicada uh, in the original version. This is from a self-titled album that hit 15 uh, at its peak on the Billboard 200 charts for the week of March 20th, 1993, I do want to go through the top 15. I think it's very interesting. So, All right. Number 15, we already know. Number 14, Aladdin, the special edition soundtrack. Oh, <laughs> Number nice, 13, nice. Dangerous by Michael Jackson. Hell yeah. Okay. 12, Good. 10 by Pearl Jam. Okay. Very Ooh, ironic. 11. Very sad. Right. Yeah. <laughs> 11. Duran Duran by Duran Duran. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. 10. Lose Control by Silk. 9. Hard Working Man by Brooks and Dunn. 8. Sure. Pocket Full of Kryptonite by The Spin Doctors. <laughs> 7. Three Years, Five Months, and Two Days in the Life of by Arrested Development. 6. Some Gave All by Billy Ray Cyrus. Number five, The Chronic by Dr. Dre. Hell yeah. Four, 1993 by Naughty by Nature. Number three, Breathless by Kenny G. Number two, The Bodyguard by Whitney Houston. 
Oh, and yeah. Number one, Unplugged by Eric Clapton. Wow. Which, fuck Eric Clapton. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't now, know who that is, but I'll take your word for it. <laughs> don't, don't, do not worry about it. Now, yes. Uh, Homecoming and I get an original song. Uh, it's called I Never Knew by Jeff Champa. And apparently I have looked this man up before on the Internet, which means he is not new to this show. <laughs> but uh, this song clearly is uh, Homecoming. <clears throat> Please read to us or sing to us these lyrics. Yeah, yeah. It'll definitely get me over the fact that this scene definitely had me feeling many feelings. Like, <laughs> can it please stop now? Oh, the humanity. Please oh, make it on. stop. Oh, Kid, oh, kids in love. No, no. <laughs> I mean, Carlos is like 22 and she's like 31. But you know what? It's fine. Yeah. 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 It's but I never knew which way the wind was blowing. I never knew. Which way my heart was going. I never knew that my whole life was waiting for you. I never knew the fairy tale you turned my life into. Now that I have found you, I know I will never be the same. I don't make me live without you. I can never go back there again. But the singer goes again to try. Yeah, that's quite the slant rhyme. Yeah, (laughs) I never knew. How deep was the ocean? I never knew this kind of emotion. I never knew that my whole life was waiting for you. I never knew the fairy tale you turned my life into. Now that I found you, I know I will never be the same. I don't make me live without you. Oh, they do it. They do it a second time. I can never go back there again. Now that I've found you. Meanwhile, beautiful just oscar worthy visuals just oscar worthy visuals of of two people rolling around on the beach just rolling and rolling like anakin and padme rolling in the fields that's what it (laughs) sent my mind back to (laughs) this this montage looks it's of the same quality as like a usa network trailer for a team. <laughs> That's the quality of this music video. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is one of the more just straight up a music video montages that we've had in a while. Oh, yeah. Um, but after after this montage, it's time for us to go back to the great Maroney, who is starting his trick. But you can see that his toes are just not curled at all. So he he definitely didn't have the key there. Um but he jumps in we after giving his preamble. You know. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. We uh, have spent too much time talking about feet on this podcast. We go on feet <laughs> every week, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to prepare for this podcast. We look up the feet of guest stars. Uh, and then we go on uh, more on my favorite website, HubHub, which I still don't know if it's real or not. It may just be Morgan fucking with me. Um I'm, God, I'm, I'm so tempted to actually make it a website one of these I, days. So you're telling me it's fake? I I am, yes. Okay, because every time you tell me it's fake, I forget. <laughs> and then I choose to not remember uh, the next time I ask you if Fair. HubHub, the, the wiki feet 
of hubcaps is real. <laughs> yes, it is. It is a hundred percent real. Ah, oh, thank God. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, he dives into the ocean and the key slips out of his toes and falls to the floor and he just can't find it anywhere. And CJ starts getting worried. So then we cut to commercial uh, and then we come back and CJ starting to get worried again. <laughs> um, <laughs> and decides that it is time for her to dive in and save him. Well, uh, okay. So pause she does. The, pause the podcast. No, don't pause the podcast. <laughs> it's time for our newest segment, Morgan, mm. that we introduce this season. Mm-hmm. It is our peer diving scale. Uh, mm-hmm. So, Morgan, on a scale from one to ten, where ten is the cliff dive scene from Mac and Me, where would you rate this? <laughs> uh, I gotta say two things. One, I think we should be calling this our peer review. Um, oh, you read like my that. mind. Like <laughs> very, very good. Uh, you're welcome and or I'm sorry. Um, okay. <laughs> um, but I don't know. I thought this was pretty good. Uh, her form on the landing seemed like it must have hurt quite a bit because she kind of just lands on her back. Um, which seemed less than ideal. What are you, now, a misogynist? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just saying it would fucking hurt. Yes, oh, like <laughs> Morgan. All of these misogynists here, you know, always complaining about all the pain women are in. Morgan and I are just on the same wavelength because I saw her dive, and I'm like, that looks like it smarts. Like, yeah, because her legs go up, like she like lands on her ass, and like bends inward and i was like that had to fucking hurt probably um i get why she didn't want to do another take of it um but yeah i don't know other than that it was fairly impressive except for the fact that when she's diving in she throws her can to the side and then just never goes after it which i also thought was very confusing yeah that's weird um so i'm gonna give this one like a four i think Wow. A homecoming. Do you have a rating? Uh, I would say that it gets points on the narrative scale that she mm. made sure to dive where no one could see her so that That's true. she could help or hear her or hear her. <laughs> Whoa. Did, did anyone hear that plop or OK? I guess we're all just concerned <laughs> if he's going to come up or not. Let's just stand here in silence. Um, right. But uh Yes, so on my scale rating, so Mac and Me is the 10. Mm-hmm. Yes. I give this for its narrative structure, its form, and the fact that it probably hurt <laughs> a two. Wow. Fair, fair. Wow. How about you, Michael? Uh, I'm going to give it a five. I, we've yeah. seen better. There wasn't enough slow-mo. Yeah, that's a good point. Could have used some more slow-mo. Um, but yeah, eventually she uh, gets down to. Oh, we know what we also forgot to do. What? If we got to rate his peer dive. Oh yeah, which sucked. I can just tell you right now. Yeah, no, it was like a one. Yeah. He just kind of falls. Negative yeah. ten. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's like that's like falling asleep during Mac and Me. <laughs> um, but yeah, CJ eventually uh, shows up down at the bottom of the. Uh, bay where the great Maroni is 
you know, unable to escape his chains uh, and eventually finds the key for him. And he unlocks the lead ball from his stomach and then just kind of pops open the other cuffs, which makes me wonder why he didn't just do that in the first place. Right. Um, But then he gets close to resurfacing and then we get a really weird dissolve where the light changes completely and he resurfaces um, it looked very dumb. Um, mm-hmm. And everyone mm-hmm. is applauding and, and happy. And my note here is, honestly, it doesn't seem like a very good trick. No. Um, it seems like he might be a really bad magician. Yeah. Um, I. Uh, but. Mm-hmm. I would just like to say that while I was watching this, I, 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 f- I figured a way that would really have saved this episode. Uh, no racism. That well, yes that that's that's the biggest bullet point. That is bullet pointed and highlighted. Yes, I would have loved that. I would have loved no racism, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But my second bullet point is: hear me out. He drowns. Mm-hmm. He drowns. Yeah. Like he appears. Like to see, yes. Okay. And then he appears to see Jay. As a force ghost, at the oh. end of, and, and and then is uh, Anakin next to him? No, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, a random Ewok is because that's all they can afford. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> One of the many Ewoks we lost on the Great Battle of Endor, um, <laughs> and then he just looks at her. She looks at him. They all pans up and thumbs up to the camera. Roll credits. Well, you know, so much better. <laughs> this, uh, this might actually work because, as you may remember, I did mention earlier that uh, the guy who plays Louise, the head of the youths, was in Star Wars: Return of the Jedi, the radio drama. So, oh. it could work. That's it good. That's where we get the Ewok money. Yeah. Right? Yeah, he's like, I got this connection. George knows me. Uh, I don't know what he voices, but he voices something. It's probably like guy number seven or something like that. But but George loves guy number seven. He really does. Mm -hmm. George has written multiple novels about the backstory of guy number seven. Honestly, like, I wouldn't put it past them to do that. No, definitely not. the extended universe is bullshit and yes. bonkers. And that's why they had to throw it all out and say none of it is canon. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> Kyle Katan, the one from the N64 game. That's just guy number seven. They just never elaborated <laughs> on that. Yeah, yeah. No, wait, I'm looking up right now who he plays in Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> okay, a Star Wars Oh, you are not going to believe this. He plays a very important character. Guess who he plays? Han Solo. No. Chewbacca? No, but still important. I I don't know. Admiral Akbar. <gasps> oh, shit. That's dope. I know, right? That's huh. fucking wild. Uh, okay, so... They get Anthony Daniels, who is C-3PO. They get him to play C-3PO. Luke is Joshua Farden, who 
is also a truck driver in Chicago Fire, baby. Uh, sure. Uh, Perry King is Han Solo. Uh, Perry King was President Blake in the day after tomorrow, baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh, Jabba is vo- voiced by a very famous person, Ed Asner. <gasps> no oh, way! <laughs> wow. Up, up then, Ed Asner? Then Boba Fett is also voiced by a very famous person. Boba Fett is voiced by Ed Bagley Jr. <laughs> Holy shit! I don't know who that uh, is. Which, uh, 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 have you seen, um, uh, Fargo? No. Well, darn. You, <laughs> I mean, I, I, Is Fargo I'll the one you. with the nice lady who's, like, sure, why inspecting not? a murder? Oh, my fucking yes, God. exactly. Okay. Oh, the one Yoda is one. Yoda is voiced by a very famous person as well. Yoda is voiced by John Lithgow. <laughs> Holy shit. This is insane. Wow. Uh, and then Yardley Smith, who voices Lisa in The Simpsons, also has a voice as like a random person. <laughs> uh, and then uh, they actually list. Okay, wait. Anakin is. Who the fuck is this guy? What the <laughs> David Burney, who <laughs> played Paul Winkless and Something's Watching Me? Who is, who is this jabroni? <laughs> <laughs> this dude's a jamoke. Okay, anyways. Uh-huh. Oh, and then uh, Vader is voiced by Brock Peters, uh, who has uh, been in a lot of things. Uh, point <laughs> is, uh, we could do this. Um, this yeah. could... This could be great. Better than this episode of Baywatch is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> For sure. Um, but speaking of this episode of Baywatch, we've only got a few more scenes, so let's let's get through them. Yeah. Um, let's see. Uh, now we see Carlos and Stephanie make out in a lifeguard truck as Carlos goes to his tower. Get her right his, his tower has been tagged with a surprisingly... Impressive and intricate uh, graffiti mural of him being stabbed to death. Yeah. Um, yeah it's wild. Yeah. As and <laughs> Stephanie's like, maybe we shouldn't open the tower. And Carlos is like, no, I won't back down from a fight. It's um, oddly aggressive, the way he's. Yeah. Um, but eventually he does decide to open the tower and Stephanie heads back to headquarters. Um but while this is going on, we learn that Lewis is um, out on bail and he steals Barnett's lifeguard truck. Um, and so Barnett calls it into HQ and they call Carlos's tower as Luis approaches in the background. I did kind of like the framing of that shot where we could see the truck slowly approaching in the background. Yeah, as that was nice. they called it in. Um, but uh as Carlos is on the phone, Luis rams the stairs to Carlos's tower, and so they fight in the sand wild. for a while. Yes. And um, also wild, Carlos dual wields rebar and yes. fights super effectively. Uh, uh-huh. Spoiler, I, you don't even need a rating. This is a 10 out of 10 on the Sonic fight scene. Because, <laughs> uh, he dual wields rebar like they're butterfly knives. It's wild. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Agreed. He... He wins this fight just super easily. It's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, 
but then as he he thinks Luis is down, so he turns his back on him and goes to walk away. But Luis gets up and hits him in the back of the knee with a piece of wood. Um, and it's just at this point that Mitch shows up in the truck with Stephanie <laughs> and just fucking clotheslines Luis with the truck door. It's Mitch so with funny. the Marvel versus Capcom 2 assist. Right. <laughs> yes. Yes. Great reference. I I thought it was so fucking funny that they have this like intricately well choreographed fight scene and then Mitch just shows up and fucking nails him <laughs> with the door. Car <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. It's also the thing to do. Yeah. It reminds me of the fucking the scene in Indiana Jones where they're like getting ready for a sword fight and then Indy just pulls a pistol and shoots him yeah. because Harrison Ford was so fucking done with it that he was just like no, fuck this, I'm not doing a sword fight. <laughs> it's perfect. And like, at first I thought Mitch had driven into him, and then I had to yeah. watch it. And I was like, that seems violent. And I'm like, nope, Mitch did the most Mitch thing. He opened a car door into his face. <laughs> like, perfect. Honestly, couldn't ask for a better scene. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, if it weren't for the racism, that would, <laughs> a scene alone would be a 10 out of 10. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's racism. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. So that transitions into uh, another horrible acting line where Stephanie hmm. comes up to Carlos and says, are you all right? And he says, yeah, but just don't ask me to dance. Yes. Ooh. Whoa. I wasn't yeah. going to. <laughs> that seems like a bad time to dance, man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we're back at headquarters where Stephanie is trying to get Carlos to work here on a permanent basis. And Carlos shows up on crutches because it turns out he tore a ligament, will be out of commission for up to a year. And Mitch seems weirdly mad that Stephanie is still into Carlos, um, which doesn't make sense because he was trying to set them up. He says, easy come, easy go. And she says he's not dead. So does that <laughs> yeah. mean like fuck? Like what? Yeah. <laughs> Very weird. It's like, so I don't get it. Oh, she she's gonna be like, Hey Carlos, come over here real quick. And he's like, Yeah, what? And she just starts aggressively making out with Carlos in front of Mitch. Just like, mm-hmm. like now, it, for, it's for so context, for context homecoming. Mitch and Stephanie have dated twice. That's yes. right. So That's it makes right. it very weird. It <laughs> It, yeah, it, you're above this Hasselhoff. Move on, you're Hasselhoff. I was, I was <laughs> trying to figure out who you were going to say is above this. Um, <laughs> I well, was like, wait, which one is he going to say? Well, Steph, <laughs> he he's above this because he's the one acting like. Well, we used to date. I bet he's not as good as a kisser as I am. Like he's <laughs> he, he's acting. Of thought he's the Hoff. <laughs> Yeah, he's the Hoff, but yeah, yeah, he's he's the one where it's like grow up a little. Just let your coworker have a boyfriend that she. And he's like super obstinate. He's like, well, I don't know if we should have him work here permanently. It's like, are you jealous of him? Like, I know he has better hair than you, but but still, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but then, then we have one more scene, and it was my 
not my favorite scene of the episode, but definitely had my favorite shot from the episode. Sure. Um, which is that the great Moroni is doing some close-up magic for Hobie when CJ shows up, and Hobie's like, wow, how are you doing that? And CJ's like, it was real magic. And Hobie's like, that's fake, goodbye, and runs away. <laughs> um, and the great Moroni is like, thank you for not telling how my trick was done. And CJ says, my lips are sealed. And he says, well, why don't you unseal them to give me a kiss? So they do. And then CJ pulls a full egg out of her mouth. And I lost my entire mind. What the fuck? It's I, so good. As soon as she pulled the egg out of her mouth, I just screamed, what the fuck? And just started laughing. Because, same. what the fuck? <laughs> I was uh, like, okay, so maybe like he'll like I know he won't come back. Like, there's no way no, they would get yeah. CJ a, a boyfriend. But like, the fact that they kiss so that he can implant an egg in her mouth <laughs> is like, okay, one, where was he keeping the egg? Right. Um, was the egg already in his mouth? And he can talk fine with a whole egg in his mouth. <laughs> I, but I also don't want to know because then it becomes like an arrested development situation where it's just like, <laughs> there he is. Like, oh, my God, look. And it's just like, OK, like, I, I don't need to know. I don't yeah. need to know how this works. But yeah. Like, why? OK, Morgan, <laughs> yeah. I need you to think back to your dating history. Sure, um, sure. When was the last time you said, you know. I can make out with this person. It sounds very fun. It would be very enjoyable. Or I could insert an egg into their throat. Uh, Wednesday. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's typical. <laughs> that's hump day. You know, on hump day, we put eggs in mouths. <laughs> well, it's the second Wednesday after Easter. Isn't that when everyone puts eggs in their partner's mouth? Oh, well, not in the Eastern Orthodox tradition. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. Yeah, I always yeah, get yeah. that mixed up. Yeah, they're a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. Speaking of a little <laughs> bit different, this episode was a little bit different. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, let's talk about our uh, our ratings. Uh, actually, yeah. I mean, first, we should read some IMDb ratings. Uh, we only have two uh, mm -hmm. at the time. Uh, and only one of the sand crabs. But it's the oh. funny sand crab. Uh, okay. So he titles his review. Oh, he gives it a three out of ten and titles it magically dreadful. Here's what he says. Graffiti hating Stephanie falls in love with a fellow graffiti hater. Hobie makes big bucks, but gets robbed. CJ's suitors get more piteous and repulsive as time goes on. Spooky montage, very average episode with an Easter egg. <laughs> Honestly, that last line is pretty genius. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The second review is a one out of ten from Bombers Fly Up, who yet again titles their review Baywatch. Um, <laughs> they say, weird and again recycling Eddie's stories. This guy broke... This guy broke bail out for revenge, yet attacks and instantly runs away. Ha! Bad! Um, and that's, uh, <laughs> that's the review. 
But mm-hmm. now we need to talk about our reviews. And now, of course, our season four rating scale is a scale of one to ten, where one is going through puberty a second time because you got recast, and ten is your parents are divorced, but it's okay because your dad is David Hasselhoff and he's the coolest. Homecoming. How would you rate this episode? I give this episode a fight in a bumper car arena out of 10. <laughs> okay, we'll have to remember that. One. <laughs> All right. But what would you say a fight in a bumper car arena is the is similar to experience wise? Besides ter- a fight in a bumper car arena. <laughs> in terms of number wise, this gets a two. This is it's so well racist, incredibly racist, aggravatingly mm-hmm. racist unenjoyable CJ side story made me beg for the credits over and over again, (laughs) except for the scene where he had half of a magician outfit in his swim trunks. Kudos to you for committing. Um, But besides that, um, just really overall, the real feeling of this episode was just like how I don't, how do I even put it into words? It's just honestly just bad, just bad and not even enjoyably bad. This isn't the room bad. This is space yeah. gym too bad. Mm-hmm. Wow. Wow. Uh, Michael, how about you? Well, I'm disappointed that homecoming would disparage uh, uh, space jam Two, uh, one of the greatest movies to have maybe been made. Uh, I'm still not sure if it was actually made. Um, I'm going to give this a one. Uh, because And this one a few times, very few times. It only happened once or twice before that I've given a rating lower than our guest. Uh, mm-hmm. Just because uh, it's, it's just too racist. <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, there are interesting parts to this, and I think parts of this are buck wild and made me laugh like nobody's business mm-hmm. because the like acting is bad. The fucking egg at the end, yeah. Um, the montages are like that first montage is wild. Everyone needs to experience that. But it's also so fucking racist. Like, yeah. Holy crap. Um, yeah. I really would love for this show that takes place in an area that heavily features Hispanic people to stop hating Hispanic people so much. Mm-hmm. I guess that's too much to ask for. Fucking um, apparently. Yeah. And I would say that a one is equivalent to this article from 2019 titled Chris Pratt may not be homophobic, but he is dangerously lazy um, because that's <laughs> wrong and also a bad article title. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the great edit to it was Chris Pratt may not be Monday phobic, but he is dangerously lazy. And that just makes sense because he's going to play Garfield. Ah. Uh, 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 the phobic. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. Um, so, Morgan, what about you? Yeah, I think that honestly, the the best way to sum up this episode, other than 
and perhaps in addition to just saying that it's really fucking racist, is is a line from this episode, which is, welcome to the 90s. Yeah. Um, because, boy, does this feel like it encapsulates a lot of the problem that me- problems that media from the 90s uh, tend to have. And, uh, yeah, for the most part, I didn't love watching it. Um, and I was going to give it a one, but the final shot is just too fucking good. Yeah, it's it's up there for me so with um, with you want to eat a call of veto. Um, yeah, in terms you of you can eat a spaghetti without a special sauce. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I'm going to give this episode a one and a half. Um, because I did love that egg shot so much. Hey, yeah. But hey, the rest of it fucking sucked. That's yeah. still better than some episodes of season two, which oh, yeah, even more racist than this. And yeah. We gave a zero. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wait, a zero is possible? Oh, yeah. Oh, give then oh, you can write whatever you want. No, give me a 0.5. The only thing that was worth it was Hasselhoff <laughs> hitting somebody with a car. I give it <laughs> two points because of the egg. One point for the egg shot. One point for Hasselhoff smacking someone with a car they door. One. <laughs> 0.5. It gets a point. 0. 0.5 out 0. of 10. 0.5 it is. Okay. Absolutely. Um, now, I do think that just for the sake of what Morgan mentioned, the episode picture and title should just be welcome to the nineties. Cause that explains <laughs> everything. Um, yeah. What it doesn't explain is our next episode, which mm-hmm. is called the child inside. Uh, and the Baywatch wiki tells us the Baywatch lifeguards stage a beach oriented special Olympics. Apparently this is not a bad Ooh. episode. Apparently, this is not bad. Uh, okay. Becoming involved with two young athletes whose parents have abandoned them. Uh, oh. Now, the INDB description is, Olympic champion Mary Lou Redden comes to Baywatch to stage a special Olympics competition for... This says the mentally disabled. I don't like that. Um, at Mary Lou's urging, Mitch takes under his wing a mentally disabled team named Darnell, who tries too hard at winning... And on the ethics of the competition, Stephanie oh, this is befri- gonna suck. Stephanie befriends Sammy, a shy young girl with Down syndrome who doesn't try at all to believe in herself. Um, Whew. Okay, again, I heard this is good. However, right. I don't. I I can't trust anyone but ourselves. <laughs> um, Fair. I'm- so, and we will have a guest on, and yes. uh, maybe we can trust. The, them i don't i don't know they'll they'll have to i'm sorry okay so uh with that said homecoming thank yeah. you so much for being back here thank mm-hmm. you for sitting through this pile of racist bullshit um, <laughs> yes but you know what we want to hear about is some not bullshit tell us where people can find you and what you got going on yes mm-hmm. thank first off thank you so much for having me. I love that I was able to rant about the God's Not Dead movies. <laughs> I'm so glad I was able to do that. Anytime. And you can find me at latenightsprites.blogspot.com and Late Night Sprites, where most podcasts can be found. I talk about video games, sometimes 
I talk about movies, and I recently launched a series that you can listen to right now where I go and I buy games for, say, I have a budget of $15. I try to buy a few games and see if there's any gems in there. And I did bargain bin movie titles, including Night at the Museum, Battle of the Smithsonian, the video game, the back of the boxes, Ben Stiller lookalike for an authentic movie experience. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds excellent. Yes. And yeah, a blog and podcast. I post at least once a week. I talk about all things gaming and you can find those at Twitter at homecoming gamer at Twitter. If you have the bird app. (laughs) Cool. Bird app. Yeah, thank you. Thank you again for uh, for being back on. And if for some reason you decide you want to come back on again, you're always welcome. Absolutely. Um, Fool, <laughs> actually, please come back. We would love Yes. <laughs> sure. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> the most unenthused. <laughs> like, OK, I guess you forced me. OK. <laughs> All, all that's left to say is thank you all so much for listening to this episode of Baywatch Rookie School. If you want to find us on Twitter, our show handle is at Rookie School Pod. I am at Morgan P. Thrap. I'm at Snot Snit, S-N-O-T-S-N-I-T. We'll see you next week. And just remember, if the great Maroney asks you to unseal your lips, get ready for an egg. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>